it's about when you're setting it up is making sure you have you've set it up properly and you've thought about well what happens when if i pass away who's going to control the fund you are listening to australia's tax news podcast tax talks the podcast for australian tax professionals Welcome to episode 161 of Tax Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you to Klaas for sponsoring this episode. What happens when an SMSF trustee dies? Who takes over running the fund and who decides what happens to the deceased fund assets when there is no binding death benefit nomination? This is the question I asked Rani Gender of Turnbull Hill Lawyers in Newcastle. Here's Rani. With your superannuation, it's not automatically covered by a will. Because it's held in a trust, it's considered to be outside of your personal property. If a trustee of a self-managed super fund dies and they are an individual trustee, then the deed of the super fund dictates who then controls the fund. And if the trustee is a corporation, then the constitution of the company of the trustee dictates what happens upon that director's death. So the first port of call is to look at, is to read the deed, to see what happens when a trustee passes away or what happens when a director of a trustee passes away and then you're looking at the constitution. Are there some standard clauses? Do most deeds phrase this in a certain way? Most do. As a general comment, trust deeds and constitutions deal very well, will all deal with what happens when someone dies. Where the gap is, what happens if someone hasn't died but lost capacity? So if I am the director of my company that is a self-managed super fund and I am the sole director and I am to lose capacity, what does that constitution say about who can step into my shoes? So usually we would either change the constitution if it didn't say, to, say so, that if I'm a sole director, if I've got another director, then the company still has a director. But if I'm the sole director, then my enduring power of attorney can step into the shoes and be the director of the self-managed, of the trustee of the self-managed super fund. Not every case, but in a lot of cases when it comes to the trust deed and the constitution, if someone has passed away, it's referred to as their legal personal representative, which basically means the executor of their estate. So it's the executor of their estate that steps in. Can we go back and look at both scenarios separately. So in one scenario, we have individual trustees and in the other scenario, we have a corporate trustee. Let's say we have two individual trustees. Yes. And then one of the individual trustees dies. Then usually the deed says that the other one just manages the whole fund. Well, it, so once, because the trustee is usually the member. Yes. So that portion of th there are two things that need to happen. There needs to be someone who can administer the fund, the executor of the deceased trustee's will, the legal personal representative, can step, in, can step in, but only 
in relation to winding up that fund to pay out the benefit. What about the other trustee that's still up and standing? They will manage the fund as well. And then usually the deed will talk about, well, what happens? Does does the decisions have to be made by the majority, unanimously, all of those sort of things. So it's then governed by the deed. The LPR basically steps into the shoes of the deceased in their role as the trustee. And then what happens to their member accounts, what happens to their super is then governed by binding best, best benefit. It, it, no, it, it, it's also governed by the CIS Act. So if you have a self-managed super fund, you can make a binding nomination of where your super is paid. However, if you do a will, you're under the Succession Act where you can really leave your estate to whomever you want in whatever portion you want. With a self, with superannuation, Who can benefit from your super is uh, determined by the definition of dependent under the CIS Act. So, for example, if you had a couple that wanted to leave their superannuation to their grandchildren, they can't do that directly out of the fund. What they have to do is pay the superannuation entitlements into their estate, so to their legal personal representative, And then in their will, they can say, from my superannuation entitlements, I'm going to leave it to my five or six grandchildren. So there are rules about who can benefit from super. And with a self-managed super fund, the member may nominate when they're alive where that super is to be paid. If they don't nominate where that super is to be paid, then it can be the trustee that decides where the super gets paid, whether it gets paid to a dependent under the CIS Act or it gets paid into the will, into the estate, and then determined under the will or the laws of intestacy. So it's very important that if people have a self-managed super fund is that they do a binding nomination. It becomes increasingly important if you've got a situation which may be a blended family. So you may have uh, the father He's remarried and so you've got his second partner and they're both trustees in the super fund. Father passes away. He wanted his super to go to children, say, from a first marriage. Um, but if the wife is left as the trustee, she may determine to pay herself. So that's why it becomes increasingly important that if you have a retail fund, you can still make a binding nomination or non-lapsing nomination, but the trustee of that retail fund will always have a discretion of where they pay your super. If you have a self-managed super fund and you do a binding nomination, and as long as that binding nomination is in accordance with what the trustee says it has to be, so there's been lots of cases and legislation about that, and any lawyer will always say to you, read the deed, read the deed, read the deed, because If you do, if I write down on a piece of paper and I say, I want my self-managed super fund, I want my entitlements to go to my children. But if they look at that binding nomination and it doesn't comply with the deed, which often says things like it has to be filled out in a certain way, there has to be percentages, you may have to call it to your estate or the legal personal representative or to... And then it also has to be 
witnessed by two independent witnesses over 18 at the same time. So each deed will usually provide what the binding nomination is to look like. And it's very important that if you're going to do a self-managed super fund binding nomination, it looks and complies with the one with the deed. Otherwise, it can be found not to be valid. And then it's the trustee that gets to decide where your super goes. Let's do an example. Bob and Sally. Yep. Sally is Bob's second wife. Bob has children from the first marriage. Bob makes a binding death benefit nomination in favor of his children and then Bob dies. Now the LPR of Bob steps into Bob's shoes. So there are still two trustees, two individual trustees. So it's LPR. Yeah, LPR, sorry. Legal personal representative. Yeah. yeah, sorry, what did I say? Did I say a, L? You said A. <laughs> okay, sorry. Yeah, LPR. Um, yeah. I correct that. So now the LPR steps into Bob's shoes. So they are still two individual trustees, Sally and Bob's LPR. Yeah. Correct. Now the binding death benefit nomination says pay everything to the children. And so then that legally has to happen. Sally might try to dispute the validity of the binding death benefit nomination and she might succeed that or the binding death benefit nomination might disappear if Sally was in possession of it. Yes, yeah, so usually what we suggest is when you make a binding nomination is you get the trustee to sign the back of it acknowledging it so that Sally couldn't say, I didn't know anything about this and I've, you know, I'm not going to accept it as the trustee because in some cases the deed of the super fund may say if there's, you know, there's two surviving, if there's two trustees and one surviving, then for the period of wrapping up the fund there may be just one trustee. So the other thing we talk about and there's been cases about if Sally is the executor of Bob's estate, and also becomes the sole trustee of the super fund. Yeah, then she's in full control. Well, she's in full control, but she's also in a position of conflict because as the executor of the of the will, she should be saying the super should be paid into the estate and go in accordance with the will. So there's been some recent cases where the remaining spouse has made decisions to pay themselves rather than the estate and the court has said, no, you had a duty as an executor to collect the estate and you've disadvantaged the estate because you've robbed them of a substantial amount of money. So again, it, it comes back to if you are, if you are doing your will um, or you're looking at doing your, your enduring powers of attorney, You should be providing your solicitor with a self with your self-managed super fund deed so that they can look at the deed, say, how can we comply with this? And there are two things you need to think about. So you've got to think about, um, and I may be mixing them up again, but if I die, one, where do I want my super to go? And then where you want your super to go will depend how you fill out your binding nomination. Because a lot of the time you've got mum and dad who just want their super to go to each other. The other thing to consider is if you leave your super to a spouse, you don't pay any tax on it. If you leave your super to a child under 25, you're not going to pay any tax to it or someone who's financially dependent. If you leave your super 
directly to your children and they're over 25, you will pay a higher amount of tax. Bearing in mind, though, if you're bringing super into your estate, you're going to increase the cost of administering your estate. So it's just about weighing up those kind of things. But if you've got a blended family and you want to make provision for your spouse and you want to make provision for your adult children, what you may determine is, well, if I give more of my super to my spouse, she's not going to pay any tax on it. If I give more of the rest of my estate to my adult children, they're not going to pay any tax on it. So part of all of the process should sort of should be is working out how do I leave my estate in a more tax effective way, if that's possible, as well as if I pass away, who's going to be in control of my self-managed super fund and because the trustee is ultimately Sorry, the trustee may be the person who's deciding where the super gets paid and how. That is the scenario with individual trustees. The yes. LPR, the legal personal representative, steps into the shoes of the deceased individual trustee. It depends what the deed says. So in most cases, but deeds can be different. Oh, really? So the deed yeah. can say... When a trustee the dean can say that the, the remaining member picks the trustee. Oh, really? Yeah, so it, 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 it always comes back to, to reading the deed. Okay. Um, so it's not a standard – there are standard trustees, but they all are a little different, and you would be wrong to assume that in every case this is what's going to happen, and that's why – um, as I said, as solicitors, it's it's always, and as, as trustees, it's always about reading the deed. And so now looking at a corporate trustee, if one of the directors dies or passes away, is, is there something different or is it basically the same? Uh, no, it's something different again. So because a company never dies and a company never loses capacity, so a company is governed by the Corporation Act, but is also governed by the Constitution. So in a self-managed super fund, your rule book is your trustee. In a company, your rule book is your constitution. Or replaceable rules. Yes. So if we say that there's most companies have a constitution. So if the, the constitution will say what happens when a director dies. So they all say you cease to be a director upon your death. But then you've got to look at what happens after that. So, for example, and the majority of, of constitutions will say if a director dies and there's no other director, then um, it will be your legal personal representative who steps in as director. And so usually, again, it will be your legal personal representative because they become the director um, of the trustee company. I see. Okay, so so that means with an individual trustee, whether the LPR steps into the shoes of the individual trustee or not, depends on what the deed says. But with a corporate trustee, when the director dies, the the LPR always steps into the shoes of the director of the deceased director. In in the majority of cases, I wouldn't say always. Again, it's about reading the constitution, but that's what most of the constitutions I read say. Okay, but so in theory, the constitution could say something else. In theory, the constitution could say that the surviving director becomes the sole director. Yes. 
so that's the directorship. What happens to the shares? Do the shares go automatically into the estate? If they're held in the individual's name, and they would be then, yes, they go into the estate. Those shares aren't usually worth anything. It's just about control. The shares give anybody control? Isn't it really just about who becomes, who is the director and who isn't? Well, so a, a shareholder um, is the person that can appoint or remove a director. Good. So again, usually the shares would be held on trust by the the legal by the executor, the legal personal representative. Yes, because the estate is a trust. But then the LPR could Because really when it comes if we just focus on self managed super fund, it's it's yes. the executor stepping in to wind up that member's portion of the fund to pay it out. And as it's either going to be paid in accordance with a, a binding nomination, which may be to a certain person or people, and as long as they're cis-dependents, that'll be fine, or to pay it into the estate and then deal with it there in accordance with the will. When a director dies, the shares go into the estate and the shares always go into the estate, or can the constitution say something else? No, I think the shares would always go into the estate. Okay, good. So the shares yeah. always go into the estate. That means the LPR has voting rights and hence could possibly, together with another member, hold majority and then change. change. They couldn't change the trustees because all members have to be trustees. Yeah, so no, they, they so can't the, change the trustees. Yeah. So the surviving member could never be kicked out, out of its director position. No. Yeah. Okay. So in that case, the um, the voting rights that the LPR receives by having the shares in the estate are really not, I really don't really mean anything because you can't change the trustees anyway. Yes, that's correct. Okay. There's, I mean, the shares are, as I said, the shares never have any value um, because the trustee isn't allowed to do anything else. It's only allowed to be the trustee of of that fund and yes they're going to the same legal personal representative going back to the basics which is what the cis act says so it's you know it's about getting probably if we go backwards it's about when you're setting it up is making sure you have you know you you've set it up properly and you've thought about Well, what happens when, if I pass away, who's going to control the fund? And that may make you decide whether you have a self-managed fund, whether you don't, whether if, you've, if you're a blended family and you really want to keep everything separate, you may have two self-managed super funds. I mean, it just depends on the asset base that you're talking about um, versus the compliance costs of having those two funds. But if you've got... A, if you've got a blended family and you're going you're going into a relationship with very established assets and so, a lot of those assets I mean the majority of people's assets now are being held in super you know there's the family home and then there's super is where is where our wealth is being directed so it's in, it's important that 
when you're setting it up from the beginning, you think about all of these issues and that may determine how you set it up so that they don't really become, um, they don't, it doesn't really become a problem. Welcome back. An SMSF deed is tedious to read. There is no doubt about it. But when you read it, then especially look out for the section that outlines what is to happen when an SMSF member slash trustee dies. In the next episode, episode 162, we will go back to looking at how we run our practices. Tim Hoopman of Spin Business Services in Sydney will talk about engagement letters and why they are so important. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to Class for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.